Friends, today I want to talk to you about why it is that I shoot film photography instead of primarily just shooting digitally. And actually, as these words are coming out of my mouth, I this is I have a far less altruistic, more way more selfish purpose of doing this episode. It's mainly an excuse for me to answer the question, is shooting film worth it? That's a question I find myself when I've like, missed a shot. Actually, listen to this right now. You hear, I'm in my studio and just to the right of my desk are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine rolls of film that are hanging, drying here. And listen to this one real quick. You hear that one? That's a freaking blank roll of film and it's driving me insane. I thought I shot this. There's no images on it. And it's driving me crazy. And I'm like, why the hell am I putting myself through this? The pain and suffering. So in today's episode, I'm going to figure that out by sharing it with you. But more importantly, I want to talk about one of the core values of living a curious life. And I call it learning to learn metaphorically. Sarah and I just got back from Mexico, and on this trip was the first international trip that I shot exclusively film. I didn't bring a digital camera with me. Now, okay, oh, I, I brought, I had my cell phone with me. But as far as like a camera camera, I only brought film on this thing. If you want to get nerdy, but the camera I brought was a Rolly 35. I love it. It's super compact, and I just love the fiddliness of it. Fully manual. The light meter's broken, so I have to read light with my eye. It's magical. I love this thing for traveling. But I was I was super nervous about doing this trip with only film. And I know you're probably sitting there thinking, well, oh, big, wow, Rob, you really overcame your fears. You you shot the you shot you only shot film and didn't take any digital pictures on a trip. But we should get you an award. And I'll, I know, okay, give me a break. This is just, but this is a big deal for me because of the uh, advantages and disadvantages of film. I've been weighing it out. I'm going to talk about that in a second here. But primarily, the main thing to me. The re- the main reason that really is the core of why I only shot film actually has to do with why I shoot film in the first place. And I think at the core of it, the real reason that really got me hooked onto this medium and my commitment to it at the core, the reason why all this is worth it for me is the feeling of it. And I think the core of why I discovered this feeling and my love of it has really at the core of this, let me back up, is a, a belief I have in a a habit, maybe a doctrine, a mantra, I don't know, whatever you'd call it. It's a core belief I have that I think is fundamental to living a curious life. And I call it learning to learn metaphorically. And by that, I mean this, whenever you are starting out in anything, any like creative discipline in life, the natural thing for us is to look at other people doing that exact thing and learn from them. Okay. When I first started out playing bass guitar, I'm like, okay, what are other bass players I want to learn from? And I start learning from them. I'm reading books, interviews, all this stuff. But what really just took me to the next level as... (laughs) I hate that term, by the way. I don't know. It's still part of my vocabulary. The next level. It's such like a vague, let's take this, let's really take this to the next level. What the hell does that mean? I don't know. Uh, but what, <laughs> it's still part of my vocabulary. You know what I'm talking about. To, uh, what took my learning in life to the next level, what helped, what is really the the core of finding my own unique voice and setting me apart as an art, artist in all these dis- different disciplines of my life was when I started 
to realize that there are things to be learned from every single medium out there that can be used within my direct context. So a great example is this. There are so many freaking crossovers between music and photography. Uh, when I started diving into photography, I, I kid you not, shooting film has made me a better bass player. Thinking about space, the uh, thinking about the latitude, how much uh, of film it, it has helped me thinking about uh, recording bass lines and how that how much space and a sonic footprint that takes up in a song. There's so many freaking crossovers that maybe I'll do another episode talking into the specifics of them. But it works the other way around too. A while back, I was listening to a talk that Dave Grohl, the frontman from the Foo Fighters, drummer of Nirvana, need I explain? Uh, he was giving a talk about advice for songwriters, and this is what he said. I think that that's what songs should be. They should be something that... Um, not only the, the tone or the melody or, or dynamic of the instrumental, but also the lyric um, match in a way that it represents how you feel at that moment. Man, this thought of this is what a song should be. It should be the representation lyrically and sonically of what you are feeling right now. And I was listening to that and realized, oh my gosh, that is totally the exact same thing with photography. On the top of my Leica, I have a couple pieces of tape. And on that tape, I've written to remind myself, it just says the doctrine of the equivalent. And that's a reminder of something that Alfred Stieglitz said. Uh, Alfred, and by the way, Alfred Stieglitz was a American photographer born in, in like the 1860s, I believe. And he had this theory about something he called the doctrine of the equivalent. This is a quote from another one of my favorite photographers, Ansel Adams. And he said that Stieglitz doctrine of the equivalent as an explanation of creative photography opened the world for me. In showing a photograph, he implied, here's the equivalent of what I saw and felt. That's all I can ever say in words about my photographs. They must stand or fall as objects of beauty and communication on the silent evidence of their equivalence. Again, that was Ansel Adams said that about Stieglitz. And the thought is, at the core of it, it should be a visual representation of what it felt like in that moment when you were there. And man, that just like opened my eyes and just like almost simplified all of photography to me, man, the composition, uh, the decisive moment, all that stuff that, that I can just get worked up in my head about. No, at the core of it, does this represent what I am feeling right now in this moment? And for me, film photography, specifically black and white, because, okay, let's get nerdy. I believe, uh, as they say, wine is red and photography is black and white. Specific black and white photography emits this emotion to me that uh, like that I that takes me back to a moment and how I felt seeing it there in that moment. So and I just don't get that with digital photography. Now, here's kind of a controversial thought that a lot of my artistic friends disagree with. I don't believe the act of creation should all at, at least for me, the act of creating, maybe that's what it is. I'll take, I'll pull, pull back my like belief that this is for everybody. The, for me, the act of creation isn't all about the final product. It's all about the song. It's all about the image. No, for me, 
the act of, of creation, the feeling of it, the process, the pros and cons of how it felt to make it, that is just as, if not sometimes even more important for me than the final result. Uh, so within that, there's a, uh, there's a bunch of other reasons why I love taking uh, film photographs. Number one, it keeps me in the moment. When I am somewhere, there's no, there's no possibility of me to chimp in the moment. There's a, a term, by the way, and the photographer, the, the, I can't even talk. Maybe I should keep recording podcasts. Uh, there's this, there's this phrase in the photographic world called chimping, and that is when you take a photo and you instantly want to look at the photo that you just took and review it. And the, the term comes from almost the sound of a monkey, like ooh 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 ooh. Look at this. Look at this photo I just took. You can't do that. You got to take a photo. And then you put it down. You're still in the moment, especially, man, especially the range finding uh, cameras that I love to use. They're not like SLRs where you're looking through the lens. The range finders that I use, I'm just looking through a piece of glass and I'm just seeing the world around me. I'm not even, I'm not taken out of it. So all those things of a photograph taking you out of the moment, man, a lot of that is gone when I'm shooting film. Another thing I love is that shooting film demands patience and it rewards me with reliving a moment. I am not going to see these photographs for sometimes like a week at a time or a couple weeks, depending on how long my trip is when I come back. And then I'm all, I'm taken back exactly to that moment. I don't get that in digital photography. There's a, a tangibility to film. There's like I, uh, in this digital world where all so many of the, so much of the music I record is just exists digitally. Now that's not coming. A lot of it is not coming out on vinyl or even CDs anymore. It's just digital dust out in the ethos. Something about, taking a photo on film, knowing that, okay, a photon of light is created from the sun and it takes six seconds to go from the sun to earth traveling at light speed. And then it bounces off the person's face in front of me and bounces into my camera and embeds itself into the emulsion of this film. I love knowing that there's like a physical reaction that's happening to the things I'm doing. I love the smell of film. I love the pulling it out and loading it in my camera. I love that if I run out of a roll of film while I'm out and about, I have to pause, take a breath, and reload it with film. I can't just like do the spray and pray, take a thousand photos and just nonstop. No, there's like a flow to it. It's almost, yeah, maybe it's almost like rhythmic. Yeah, for sure, advancing film. There's like this rhythmic sound to it. The tangibility side, I love it. But there's also some downsides to it. And the reason why I was apprehensive about doing a trip just using film, really the number kind of one reason, which is actually the pro, that reward for uh, forced patience. There's a lot of cons that come with that in my life too. Specifically, how long it takes to get the final images from film. Now I work around that by the fact that I have a travel darkroom that I bring with me and I can develop black and white photos in my hotel bathroom after shows. So it takes me about an hour front to uh, start to finish to have uh, my black and white film developed and scanned. And so that night, uh, an artist that I'm out with can have the film photographs of that last evening. So it's my, my workaround. But the problem is on a trip like this, Sarah asked me, she's like, okay, you, number one, you should shoot only film on this trip. But 
if you can do something for me, I'd prefer that you shoot it in color because that is that to me is the doctrine of, of equivalence. That is how I felt this trip is in this nostalgic color. So I would love you to do that on our trip. So I was like, all right, that's great. Now, the problem with that is I come home and we no longer live in the world of one hour photo developments. We it used to be like before the year 2000 here in the States, you could take, we had a bunch like all over the place of one hour photo developments and you could get your prints back right away. Same day. Uh, when I have been in Japan, they have that all over the place. That's still a culture of that. They still have that all over the place. When Sarah and I were in uh, Budapest and Bratislava this last fall, they still have the culture of it. There's all these tiny mom and pop film stores and I freaking loved it. Uh, but in the US here at home, that's just not a thing. So if I'm developing black and white film, again, instantaneous practically for me, I can get it back. But if I'm shooting color, and taking it to some of my favorite spots. Okay, so even in town, when I take rolls of film in, it's going to be at the fastest, like four days up to a week. Man, there's a there's a spot, by the way, in uptown Minneapolis. Um, I will remain nameless. You send film to them, and because it's such a small shop, you're not going to get it back for at least two weeks to a month, depending on how busy they are. So for me, there's that added amount of time. Okay, when am I getting my photos back? But I've been talking with film photography friends lately and like, dude, how are you not going to fast photo in Bloomington? Uh, they're about 15 minutes south of where Sarah and I live here in the Twin Cities. They're like, dude, their name is fast photo. They'll develop them in like an hour to an hour and a half. Uh, and then you can have it back, especially if you're, if you're not having them do any scans, you can scan it yourself, drop them off, pick them up. It's the best way to go. So I'm like, all right, let's try it. I head down to fast photo. I was talking to Tom there. He's like, yep. Uh, give me an hour or an hour and a half and I'll give you a call when they're ready to come pick them up. Great. I'll take this time. I'll go to a local restaurant and uh, catch up on some emails, have some lunch, and uh, just await the call. I sit down and literally, as soon as my food comes out, I see that I just missed a call and got this message. Hey Rob, it's Tom from Fast Photo. You're all set. Stop in any time to pick up those rolls. Thank you. I look at my watch, I'm like, freaking out 45 minutes for my color negative C41 film to get developed. So I did what any sane person would do. I flipped the table, threw the food, ditched on my bill, and headed straight back to Fast <laughs> Obviously I didn't. But I uh, finished up and I went over to Fast Photo. I was like, you guys have to let me talk to you about your process because this is blowing my mind right now. Tom wasn't there, but the owner, Brad Fox was. I was like, dude, how is this even possible? You've got to let me record a conversation and talk about your process of, of doing this. And let's just say if there's a fast photo fan club, man, I think I just became the chairman of the board. By the way, this is totally normal, right? Someone comes to pick up film and then asks you to do a quick podcast. <laughs> okay, here's some context for me. I, I mainly shoot black and white film and I do all my processing and scanning myself. And so the way I shoot it and develop, I would say from, oh, thanks. The way I, the way I uh, develop mine, whether I've got like a setup I can take on the road and so I could do it in a hotel room or at my studio. And it takes about a half an hour with development time and fixing 
to do that. And then I would say I hang it for about another half hour and it's ready to be scanned. I go to a restaurant here after dropping these off and I didn't even get my food until I got your your, your, uh, voicemail. So my question is, what is going on? Like, what does development look like with this? This is our film processing machine that processes C41. Yeah. And I can't open this up right now because it's loading film. Yeah. But it goes down into the bleach. In, I'm sorry, into the developer, into the bleach, the fix, the stabilizer, and out the dryer. How long is development time? Or is it all just at one process that it's going well, through right at once? Now we're doing a push because okay. the, the customer wants this roll of film. Yeah. The, the, the processing adjusted. Yeah. So we can make those adjustments here. So it's actually slowing down the process. Yeah. And does this only do C41, this Correct. machine? Okay, yeah. Yep, yep. yep. Uh, so a normal process from when you load it, the loading box to where it comes out of the dryer is about 17 minutes. What? Yeah. Out of the dryer? Mm-hmm. That is in, that's insane. Is it air drying or just like... Yeah, no, there's like a, a regular... Now it's coming out of the dryer right here. It's, it's just got a fancy blow dryer. You your hand, your hand here, you can feel the heat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is that's way warmer than I like have anything touch my film. Okay. So basically, what you do is you'd slide that inside there, and then just uh, this needs to be pushed one stop, Sandy. Is that right? So basically, this just goes in here like so. Put it in its spot, and just shut the door, and away it goes. Just the one. Oh man, this is so cool. And the chemistry down here, we've got developer bleach, fix, and stabilizer. We mix in there, and it just automatically replenishes. Yeah. And how how's how's been how's business been going lately? Has it been picking up like over the past few well, years? Have you seen film it? is coming up. Yeah. Film is making a big time comeback. Man, that it's so cool to see, especially as like availability for all for everything where there's cameras to film that's been really cool to see uh so this can people send you i know i came in and i can't say 45 minutes is the norm because it depends on how many how much you're backed up correct but if someone comes in can they can people mail in oh, there sure. and i think you'd probably either like mail back the negatives or you can scan them correct. and send back okay. or if they don't want them we can just send them the scans and toss the necks oh yeah how often does, does that happen pretty often uh, more often than you would think really yeah. <laughs> that's so fast it's like totally counterintuitive to what I would think I'm like right. the negatives that's your archival just hold on to all that it's like oh. one of the reasons for doing it exactly uh, but you know if you, if you get the large pro scans you can there's really no need to keep the negatives because yeah, yeah. you've got the best yeah. highest quality uh large scans so yeah you can do whatever you want with those. I, yeah i guess those you'll yeah i guess you wouldn't need to like rescan as technology comes up right Where were we, a couple months ago we were in uh hung in budapest and being over there it was like going back in time yeah. and i was like well I, I shot all my film and i was like well, i wonder if there are any spots here i could buy a couple extra more rolls and it was just like oh yeah everybody's shooting film here like yeah. so it's just like a culture there in japan in japan and like uh Bratislava and Budapest right now has this really big. There's like a, I ran into a few of these kind of shops, like the not the like a pro spot. Right. That's just the culture there, and I feel like in the Twin Cities, we have like really great access. But like, but this is this is next level. This is I'm, I'm actually I'm blown away. Yeah. Well, Fast Photo was uh, opened by Dr. Barton, who was a dentist, 
And really? he was sick and tired of all these labs not getting his prints back to him the way that he wanted them. Yeah. So I said, screw it, I'm opening up my own photo lab, and that was 1981. Really? Yeah. Because he was taking pictures of teeth, and he wanted to show their clients before and after shots of them getting braces on. Really? Yeah. And he wanted it done probably faster than, I mean... With well, he, he wasn't really that interested in, in speed as much as quality. Really? Yeah, he couldn't get a lab to get the quality that he wanted, so he said, oh, screw man. it, I'm going to open up my own photo lab. <laughs> I and love I, I worked for the previous owner back in the, well, from, gosh, 83 to 88. Yeah. And then I started at Byerly's photo lab. I don't know if yeah. you've ever heard of Byerly's. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I started Byerly's photo lab up in 88 and did that until 96. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. And when did, when, because I know we're in a resurgence of film right now. Like, when did, when did kind of the declines, did you start seeing like a slowing down oh, of things? Oh, what do you think, Sandy? Probably 20, I'm going to say probably 2005, Yeah. Somewhere in there. Yeah, when digital cameras started yeah. to come out. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of the craziest thing right now. I want. Right. It's like a mix between. I feel like I'm. I, I have two sides of uh, it for me in my experience. With it. there's the younger people that n- didn't grow up with it. And it's kind of like the uh, like a trendy, cool thing. This right. experience of like, oh, like photography can be tangible. Right. I've never experienced it, and like the beauty of that. And then also there's like the actual for me. As I'm in, like learning, it's like there is another quality thing too oh, yeah, to it. Right, the right. dynamic range, or right. Well, and you know, I can point out pictures and tell you which ones are digital and which ones are analog. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know. I've been torn. Okay, give me your advice on this. That I'm my in my mind, maybe it's as I, I've been like really serious about film for about the past four years or so, and it's primarily black and white. But I've been thinking. Like when I'm shooting with an art, I do, I do a lot of like artist, uh, like album mm-hmm. artwork, and I'm like, okay, if it's a really serious shoot, I should probably shoot digital just to make sure I'm really capturing. I know. Then you've got a backup. Then you have like a backup. Right. But the like the film, I guess like it, just the quality or the feel of it, it's just I, you can't really I can't emulate it. Well, you know, if you are a musician yeah. that has that fine ear, yeah. You can't beat an album. Yeah, yeah. Know, with a diamond, oh, that's so with a diamond uh, yes. needle. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It, there's the it, the warmth is the perfect right. thing. Even it, it's, which is weird to say, like warmth in black and white film, but yeah. it really, it, yeah, for yeah. me at least. It's, well, how do you when you do it in hotel rooms? How do you fight with the dust? <laughs> oh man. Well, I'm doing it. I think I'm doing it so fast that I I just have a a developing bag. And then I put a, put them in the Patterson tanks I bring with me, and then I'll just hang them up. I'll I'll hang them in the bathroom, mm-hmm. and keep the door shut as right. they dry. And even at my place, I just I give them a quick wipe down before I do like a D. I just do if it's on the road, I do a DSLR scan, which yeah. isn't to your like level of quality. But I, I I really haven't had a huge problem as long as I as long as I scan it right away. I'll wipe it down, run it through, yeah. and then I can like Photoshop real quick if there's sure. any dust things. Yeah. But it hasn't been a big problem. Good. Um, but I don't know. It still is kind of a pain. Yeah. <laughs> like that extra step. Yeah. Man, okay. Well, let me thank you so much for. Uh, yeah, let me take your time. Well, you know, and just to give you a heads up. Yeah. Uh, for eight dollars, we can process them. If you just want our basic yeah. scans for 
three dollars more, we can scan them. Really? Yep. And that, that's just our basic scan with no quality control. Yeah. And are those just like raw files then? Yep. yep. So, you know, we don't we don't fix any. It yeah. just goes through our machine uh, without any adjustments. This is what we're all about. Yeah. Pro scans. It was really really hard for me to offer these scans because that's not what we're about. So if the faces are blown out before we hit that scan button. We put adjustments into it so you capture yeah. the way that it's supposed to be captured. Oh, okay. Tell me this then, because that, that is really interesting. So what is that like? Because to me, I'm like, all my musical senses are going off. I'm like, yes, this is what I do. I want, I mean, give you the best. I don't want to put out anything that's under my own taste. Right. But people are wanting literally lesser quality. And they're fine with that. Right. For just yeah. like cutting expenses. Well, what drives me crazy is when people buy a high-end film like Portra oh, and they, and they yeah. get basic scans. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. It's like, why are you shooting a $20 roll of film and getting crappy scans? <laughs> what, do you, what do you think it is? I, it's like, why? I, do you have any like theories why that is? Uh, I just, I think that there's some people that don't really care, but if you don't care, shoot a $11 roll of film. Man. Or they think that portrait is just so cool that it's what they want to shoot. Yeah. Oh. But if they're super good at their, with their exposures, yeah. Uh, and you don't have blown out faces like this or backlit or bad color, yeah. then the you know the basic scans are yeah. you know, usually pretty decent. But you know, 95% of our pros let us make the corrections because we know what they want. Yeah. We know what Hey, before you go, a massive thank you to Tom and Brad and the entire team at Fast Photo Film Labs in Bloomington, Minnesota. More about them if you want to click in the show notes below. You can find out all about them and how you can send your film to them. Also, if you want to see the photos that I took in Mexico that we were talking about and that they developed, I'll put a link to that in the show notes below and you can check that out at my personal website, theropmorgan.com. All right, that's all I got. As always, stay curious and I'll see you tomorrow. Rob Morgan is an internationally touring bassist on a journey to discover what it means to live a curious life. At thecuriouspod.com, you'll find an archive of conversations reported all over the world, a map of recording locations, a weekly newsletter, and official podcast merchandise. Rob is recording a daily podcast where he's sharing insights into the creative journey and the secrets to living a curious life that he's discovered from over a decade of traveling the world with music. We here at Curious Endeavors have told him this is probably a mistake, and he's an idiot to attempt it but he won't budge. So that's where we're currently at. We hope you'll enjoy.